the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Your daily source for in-depth business and investing news. We are Business 1440, KYCR, Golden Valley, a service of Salem Media Group. With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. American Airlines is ending social distancing on its flights next week, joining some rivals who've been flying their jets at full capacity. American Airlines says come July 1st, it will no longer leave some of the middle seats open to allow for distancing among passengers, matching the policies of United Airlines and Spirit. American had been flying at 85% capacity and says it will allow customers to change flights at no extra cost if they object to a full flight. Rivals Delta, Southwest, and JetBlue are still blocking out some seats for social distancing. American's passengers will be asked to verify they don't have virus symptoms and will be required to wear a mask. I'm Jackie Quinn. Facebook set to ramp up its flagging on posts with which it disagrees on Wall Street. The Dow was down 730 points Friday. This is SRN News. Attention homeowners. Do you have a house that's in need of serious repairs? Do you have tenants that never seem to make their monthly payments? How about code violations, past due taxes, or maintenance costs you just can't afford? Then call my friends right now with Quick Cash Offer. They specialize in buying any home, no matter how ugly the situation. Turn that problem property into cash right now. It's just that simple. One call and you can get rid of that home headache forever. They buy the ugliest houses with instant closings, instant cash, and huge savings. Plus, there are no realtor fees, no listing fees, and no repair costs. Just cash in your hands for that painful property. They're buying a few more houses in your neighborhood this month. So take advantage of this cash offer and call Quick Cash Offer now. 800-775-4514. 800-775-4514. That's 800-775-4514. Arby's Computer Service. You and your business are online today more than ever. Most people are working from home and meeting via Internet, and that means IT structures are overtaxed and Wi-Fi is humming. An outage in one of your critical systems now could be a fatal blow to your operation. Arby's Computer Service is ready and able to help. Their staff is standing by and prepared to offer assistance. If your business IT system experiences a failure, give Arby's a call. Their professional team of certified computer and networking specialists is experienced in diagnosing and solving a wide range of issues. With Arby's Computer Service on the job, you'll never have to worry about dealing with IT-related issues on your own, whether it's for your personal system or business. Arby's Computer Service knows that Internet traffic is surging, and they're available now to help. You'll always get competitive pricing, trustworthy advice, and excellent customer service from Randy and his team at Arby's Computer Service. Giving your computer problems the boot. Arby's Computer Service. 
The Wall Street Business Network is on the air. We're not looking at noise. This thing that we live in starves people. Don't hit me with them negative waves so early in the morning. It's the King Banyan Show. Life in capitalism always ends in billionaires. It's true. It's true. As an educator and former legislator, Professor Banyan steps out of the classroom and onto the airwaves to break down the local and national economic news that matters to you. No one ever makes a billion dollars. You take a billion dollars. Why don't you say something righteous and hopeful for a change? The government is the public, and the public decides what is good for itself. Why don't you dig how beautiful it is out here? It's the King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Now go do that voodoo that you do. Here's King Banyan. Voodoo. King Banyan wow. Show, Business 1440. I do love that. <laughs> Go do that voodoo that you do so well. Uh, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. I got in a lot of chatter on the uh, on, on the Twitters today. 651-289-4477. The usual suspects, Jack and Don and, and um, a fellow whose Twitter handle is Tuptian, who I've enjoyed talking to um, turns out to be a fan of reading uh, uh, biographies uh, of uh, presidents. Uh, we've been enjoying a chats about Coolidge and Hoover lately. Um, so, uh, and you can always find us at Banyan show. If you want to find us, please do at Banyan show. It, it's good for you. You'll like it. I'm going to talk about the MMT stuff in a moment, but I, I wanted to pause just a little bit because the chatter got, got a little intensified when I suggested that that uh, the focus on case, cases is something that I am concerned about. Let, let, me, let me take a moment to explain why. Our issue, to go back to the baseball story that I started with, or the basketball story that I started with, they are representations of the issues that the economy has because at this moment in many, many states, with the exceptions of thinking about leisure and hospitality and entertainment, most economies are open. And while we've seen some bounce back in things like retail sales and employment and income and the purchasing managers indices are, are rebounding, not strongly, but at least doing some rebound, they're not coming all the way back. And my point of emphasizing that reverse radical or the check mark or, or what have you is to say, is to say, or the swoosh is to say, the pace at which this economy comes back is both driven by the extraordinary policies of March and April, which are waning, in which, again, you want to, you know, if someone said, do you want to bet? If we, if you said 25, if you said bet over or under 25 states will have um, stay-at-home orders by, you know, in on October 1st of 2020, I would take the under hard on that. It will be fewer than 25 states. I don't think it'll be zero, but because I still think there would be, that doesn't mean I don't think there'll be a second wave to the pandemic. I kind of think there will be. But I think that particular that particular strategy has been used, 
and you probably can't go back to it. You probably are in the mood of living with it. But living with it means withdrawing from certain activities, like going to a restaurant, like going to theater. Our theaters up here are still closed, and we don't know when they're going to open. I'm on the board of a. Uh, I'm on the board of the local live theater, the largest live theater in the St. Cloud area, the Paramount Theater. Uh, it's operated by a nonprofit that I'm currently president of its board, and. I would tell you that we don't expect to have plays there for months or music or anything else. We're trying some we're trying some virtual stuff. We're doing what we can to sort of keep keep ourselves out there. But you're, you know, it's going to be a while before we can reopen. When will we be able to reopen? When we see people willing to go back out. And People will respond to case rates as much as they're going to respond to the deaths and hospitalizations. The hospitalizations question is a supply problem. Can we supply enough health care to the people for whom COVID is, is a very serious illness that requires uh, advanced medical treatment beyond a doctor's visit? Okay. That number probably is coming down because it's pretty clear that the number that the people who are receive, who are becoming infected are noticeably younger than the group that were first infected, meaning we got better at protecting one of our most vulnerable populations, the long-term care facilities. And people you'll say, "Well, the rate hasn't come down very much in Minnesota. We still have almost 80% of our of our dead from COVID actually coming from uh, long-term care or congregate care facilities. And I say, yeah, that's true, but mostly that's true because because deaths for everything has come down and you're just not adding much to the number in either direction. We got smarter about it after what I think was probably some missteps in, in April. Okay, we might we we might not have taken good enough care of where we were sending people in recovery from COVID and put them in a place where they could get other people sick. Bad deal. People now are younger, and that's all right. But the fact that there are many younger people out there who may now have it makes me, for example, probably less willing to have our children and our grandchildren come to visit it, visit us because of concern for us. Okay? For, for people in their 60s and 70s and 80s. My mother has had, an, had a health issue in the last week to the extent that I thought about, do I need to go down there? And looked at what was happening and finally stopped myself and said, a, it's probably probably pretty hard. B, there probably isn't much you could do. And C, you could potentially do harm. Because to get to where she lives, I have to go through connecting flights, and I could pick it up in an airport. Because there are higher infection rates happening right now. Not deadly, but enough that passing it along is an issue. Now, in economics, we refer to what I'm describing here as an externality. Okay? You getting sick has a cost to you, and you are the best decision maker of whether or not you should, you should take the precautions to not get sick. How often should you wash your hands? Should you wear a mask into the store? Should you, 
should you do all of those things? But the issue is the externality. Does your decision about whether to take precautions impact my health? Do my decisions impact your health? They clearly do. They clearly do. To what extent? I don't think we know that yet. All right? I, I read regularly people who are very skeptical that this is a very infectious disease. Um, my, my friend and, and, and uh, former uh, colleague at the Center of American Experiment, uh, John Hinderocker, is very skeptical of these things. John's a smart guy. I don't agree with him, but he makes a pretty compelling case. And you would be, you would, if you said, well, I think John's right and I think you're wrong, King, it's like, well, I would love to sit down and have a, have a discussion with you about that, an argument. But I admit to significant uncertainty about whether I'm right, as well as whether or not he's right. And in that world of uncertainty, which every human being is going through at this moment, there's a decision about whether or not to go outside, whether or not to go to a restaurant, whether or not to go to go to watch a baseball game. I would love to watch a baseball game. Town ball up here in central Minnesota is happening. Um, on my uh, t- on on my Twitter feed this morning, a friend of mine who lives over in one of the saints, one of the other saints, the little towns that populate central Minnesota, um, put up the schedule for their town team. They're going to play about eight to ten games on their weekends for the next five weeks. And they haven't even decided if they're going to be able to hold a championship. I'm thinking of driving out to one of those just to kind of see it. I could probably sit pretty far away from everybody else. I think I can keep myself fairly safe. I play golf regularly, so it's not like I'm hiding from the from the virus. But I'm making decisions, and there are things I'm doing, and there are things I'm not doing. And as you think about what that shape of that recession is going to be, it's the millions upon millions of individuals making those decisions. What can I do? What can't I do? What precautions will I take? What precautions can I do without? That is what's going to drive the shape of the recovery. Okay? That means to say something very fundamental. The health policies and the, and the, and the recovery from corona is tied fundamentally to the recovery of the economy because both of them have a common root. That root is human activity. All right? We engage in conscious human action in the way we go about living our lives. We make decisions, conscious decisions, based on perceptions, observations, things we've learned, along with folklore and norms and some real strange beliefs that we all carry around with us. Those are changed and impacted by a set of facts that come out regarding not just deaths and hospitalizations, but cases. Those cases will matter. And you can tell people, stop paying attention to cases because cases aren't deaths, cases aren't hospitalizations. I know that. Guess what? I think most people know that. 
but it's informing the decision about what they're going to choose to do and what they're going to choose not to do. And as we get a better handle on the health situation, as we understand more about how the, how the, how the virus is spread, what are the treatments, when is the vaccine coming, as we learn all of that, that's tied fundamentally to whether or not the economy recovers. I will say this. I would love to have the counterfactual. A world in which no governor issued a stay-at-home order anywhere in the country. And please don't give me South Dakota. South Dakota is a fairly distinct state with distinct geography, distinct population, not having a major population center anywhere in the state. It is fundamentally different than a place like Minnesota. Okay. I would love to have the counterfactual. How many more people would have died? At best I can tell, as I look at it, Sweden is your best example. And you, put, you match up Sweden versus Denmark or Sweden versus Norway. Sweden's had more deaths. Sweden's had a significant decline. And it's the margin between those that would drive your decision about whether or not Sweden got it right or wrong. And I'm going to tell you that's an open question. I don't, I'm not going to pass judgment on Swedish health policy. But if you want to have what I would love to have somebody do, and I'm sure there's going to be a thousand papers written about this in academia, from epidemiologists to economists and everybody in between. The counterfactual, what would have happened if we had none of those shutdown orders that caused the, the big drop in your swoosh or check or reverse radical? How much less would have been the drop, but also how fast would be the recovery if you had actually had higher, higher, not lower, infection rates? Because I think it's pretty evident that there was some impact of lower, lower infection rates as a result of the stay-at-home orders. That's the question that's before us. All right, I'm going to take a break here, and I'm going to change topics. I've promised for a few weeks I was going to talk a little bit about MMT. I'm going to do that right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Limitless access to business and investment strategy. Listen to Business 1440 with our free app, your smart speaker, or with iHeart, TuneIn, and Radio.com. We live in the Twin Cities and invest worldwide. Do you want to get rid of your expensive landline, save money, but keep your important home telephone number? Then OurOldNumber.com has the perfect solution. OurOldNumber.com allows you to keep your home phone number and cancel that expensive landline connection. With OurOldNumber.com, calls from family and friends to your home phone number are answered by a personal greeting from you. The caller selects which family member they want to reach, and the call is immediately forwarded to that family member's cell phone. Your important home phone number is still your number. It's still in directory assistance, and no matter where you happen to be, you'll never miss a call. There's no equipment to buy. There's nothing to install. There are no long-term contracts, and it's only $9.99 per month. Best of all, OurOldNumber.com eliminates those annoying sales calls. Now, your home telephone number can be as mobile as you and your family are with OurOldNumber.com. 
Visit OurOldNumber.com to learn more and get started today. OurOldNumber.com Hey, are you guys open? Yeah, yeah, we are. Come on in. As businesses reopen across the nation, is your business prepared for what comes next? Salem Surround can help. COVID-19 brought America's thriving economy to a screeching halt. But now, local businesses are getting back to normal, and families are getting out to shops, stores, and restaurants. Are you ready for the return to business and all that pent-up consumer demand? Business recovery plans should be ready to go right now. The marketing team at Salem Surround is ready to help, so you don't waste a minute or a dollar recapturing market share. We'll help design your recovery plan targeting potential customers with proven marketing strategies. With everything in our toolkit working for you, digital, audio, mobile, even audience-engaging contests and promotions, contact Salem Surround for a free evaluation of your digital marketing plan. Learn more at surroundmsp.com. Surroundmsp.com. Connecting you with new customers. Are you a member of our rewards program? Yeah. I had the card here somewhere. We've all been there, rustling around for that rewards card you can't seem to find. At Business 1440, we simplify the process. All of the perks, none of the hassle. It's the Business VIP Fan Club, where you'll get early access to tickets for our events, exclusive content, prizes, and more. Sign up at TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. Get a $7,000 2012 Hyundai Elantra for just $3,500 now through this special offer from Invergrove Hyundai and this station. There's just one half-price used car available. Go to this station's website, click on the half-off home makeover at the top of the page, or call the station now. Welcome back. Admittedly, not a Beatles fan. All right. All right. 651-289-4477, the number to call here, King Bing Show, Business 1440. TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com is our website, TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com. And just a reminder, if you like to listen to the podcast of this show or any of the other shows you hear here on Business 1440, you need to jump into the Business VIP Club. It's pretty simple. Anyone can do it. You're just going to go to, you're going to look at the home page, and you're going to see, uh, you're going to see right at the top, KYC, 1440 KYCR Business VIP Club. Click on that. If you want the podcast to the shows now, you need to become a member of the club. All right? But guess what? You're not going to get a lot of junk. You're going to get a couple of emails reminding you of things that are happening at the station, any of the special events we run. I I'm hoping that we, we run more. I'm hoping to get to be part more of those special events down here, but it gets you also access to the to the VIP club. Special things coming up later this summer from us. So you wanna get you wanna just get into this uh this business VIP club. And again, if you wanna have the podcast of the show, you gotta join. Okay, it's that simple. And we promise it won't fill your mailbox with lots of lots of junk. Okay, Scout's Honor. 651-289-4477 uh, with your questions and comments uh, about this. I've been, like I said, I've been talking about MMT for a while, and I, I wanted to point out, point out a few things uh, uh, about this. Number one, 
I was I can't remember which listener I was having this chat over Twitter with. Um, I I I love my Amazon Kindle. I get about ninety percent of the books I have I have in ebook form. Um, because otherwise my house would be just a wash in books. I would have to probably build an army of little free libraries to get my books out of my house. Um, the, uh, <laughs> I mean that almost literally. You'd have, you'd have one in front of every house on my street, and even that would barely dent what I, what I would have if I didn't have e-books. I probably have... I probably have now about 700 ebooks on my, uh, you know, that's a, that are available. Thank God for the cloud. Otherwise, I'd probably have to have 20 Kindles um, or other e-readers. Uh, the advantage of those is, even though I tell you I probably have six to 700, I've probably downloaded two to 3,000 samples of books. I am merciless. If you send me a, if, if, if Amazon says I can read a sample, I read the sample. I use a I use a provider of synopses of books called Blinkist, which is particularly good if you want to read management books or or spiritual books. It turns out there are a number of spiritual authors who who use Blinkist who Blinkist provides to. Um, obviously, you can't do novels through that. But you could do some things. And, I, and I, I'll check some novels from authors I don't know. There are authors I know who I'll say, yeah, I don't even need to see the, I don't even need to see the sample. Just give that to me. Uh, we were having a chat about, uh, we we're having a chat with uh, one of our listeners about, the, the, uh, with Tupti and about uh, Hoover and Coolidge. And I said, you know what, I haven't actually read Amity Schley's uh, Coolidge book and I'm going to have to download it, which I did as soon as I got back to the house. I I bought the copy and downloaded it. It has not been opened yet. And I understand. And, and delightfully, um, Ms. Schley's actually tweeted back at the two of us. Coolidge awaits. I can't wait. I really got to get to it. It's just been a busy, bloody week. Um, but one of the books I downloaded, or the, the sample of, to see do I really want to dig into the whole thing, was... Uh, uh, the, Stephanie Kelton's book, The Crisis Myth. Uh, see, The Deficit Myth. The Deficit Myth. Stephanie Kelton is considered by many people now to be the main proponent of modern monetary theory, which says, in essence, you can print as much money as you want, meaning you can run a deficit as large as you want, pay for it by printing money, and the only reason why you would ever have to stop doing that would be if inflation got out of control, which would mean simply, I'll then, if that's the problem, then you just raise taxes and retire some of the money that you put out there. Now, this is quite interesting. I'll have to, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the mechanism in a little detail, but I'm going to say first, I didn't even get all the way through the sample that Amazon provided of the deficit myth before I said, this is polemical. I'm not going to learn anything about the theory from this book. It conforms to a few reviews which I had read before, and a very good review which I heard on the podcast, The Grumpy Economist, from John Cochran, 
who's uh, previously of the who's both with the Booth School at the University of Chicago and with the Hoover Institution in, at Stanford. And John Cochran really doesn't like this book. <laughs> he really gives it a gives it a going over. And I think he was fair to it actually in doing so. And it conforms to all of the all of what I've heard about it. So I want to start by saying saying a few things. First, the roots of MMP go all the way back to the end of World War II. We had a huge deficit in debt, or the larger than the one we currently have, though not as large as the one we're projected to have within the next three years, unless something fundamentally changes with federal budgeting. We had a huge deficit. And the thought was, after World War II, we were going to have to raise taxes extraordinarily in order to reduce the deficit, that the debt that had been created by the fighting of World War II. Now, nobody, but nobody thought we shouldn't have run a very high deficit during World War II, that the debt shouldn't have gone to the level it did. It typically does during wartime, because you're fighting for the survival of your country. And we did that. We spent that money. At the end of World War II, there was a little-known movement called functional finance. You can go look this up, and I'm going to give you the name of the person that kind of is the father of functional finance. His name is Abba Lerner, A-B-B-A-L-E-R-N-E-R. Kelton and the other proponents of MMT, frankly, give Lerner pretty short shrift. But they are, in fact, the... They are, are in fact, the, uh, uh, the, the heirs of the functional finance movement, which came and went in about three to four years during, at the end of World War II. Werner's theory was the debt-to-GDP ratio doesn't really matter because the debt in the United States is simply money we owe to each other. Okay, so it starts with a truism. For every debt on one, for every debt, or liability on the one hand, there's an asset, a bond held by somebody else. The bond just moves from the bond just moves the a chain of obligations between two members of the same economy. To the extent that if it turned out you wanted to wanted to pay off the debt, you could do it by trading that for money. You could trade it for cash, basically just exchanging two different assets. In one case, you've got an interest-bearing U.S. Treasury security. In the other case, you have a non-interest-bearing Federal Reserve note. We would just be doing a swap, an asset swap, and given that money has liquidity services that it provides that a Treasury, does, a treasury bill or bond does not, people would be probably willing to trade you an interest-bearing security for a non-interest-bearing security that instead provides you liquidity services. That piece of the theory was there in Lerner's work. And there are a few other people, and I'm not going to give you a, I'm not going to give you a history of economic thought lesson circa 1945 um, to help with that. But 
in fact, that was already there. It was rejected by people at the time. It lied dormant for approximately 65 years. And now, through the work of folks like Stephanie Kelton, who has apparently been advising folks like AOC, like Bernie Sanders, and appears to have the ear of some people in the Biden camp, it's come back. It's an old story. And indeed, I think we need to listen to it because that's the debate that's going on right now in, in the Federal Reserve between people. And I want you to hear in the next segment some of that argument between, between uh, 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 Jim Bullard, a current Federal Reserve Bank president in St. Louis, and Bill Dudley, a former Federal Reserve Bank president from New York. We'll do that right after this. You're listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. As the will of the students goes, so goes the will of the nation. This is a central theme in the new movie, Return to the Hiding Place, the film about Corey Ten Boom and her secret army of teenagers' heroic efforts to hide and save Jews from the Nazis during World War II. Corey's story was made famous by her book and original movie produced by the Billy Graham Association. Now, 45 years later, comes Return to the Hiding Place. The untold, behind-the-scenes, true story of Corey's secret army of student teenagers' efforts to rescue Jewish people. Told by Hans Poli, one of Corey's teens in the resistance, Return to the Hiding Place is an action-packed film of the Dutch underground's true, breathtaking rescue of an entire orphanage of Jewish children. Return to the Hiding Place, starring John Reese davis Watch this captivating movie tonight with your older children at SalemNow.com and save 20% with promo code MINNEAPOLIS. Return to the hiding place at SalemNow.com. Promo code Minneapolis. Due to historical content might not be suitable for younger audiences. Social Security is with you through life's journey. Get to know us at SocialSecurity.gov. We are there, day one, with baby names and a gift that lasts a lifetime. We are there as you grow, protecting you and those you love. We are there when you get your first job helping you to save for the future. We are there when you marry your sweetheart to help secure your new life together. We are there if the unexpected happens to help you see life from a new perspective. We are there when you start your next chapter to make sure you get off to a great start. And we are there when you lose your soulmate to help make sure you will be all right. We are with you through life's journey Social Security, securing today and tomorrow. Get to know us and see what you can do online at socialsecurity.gov. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. How does the baby move in your tummy? How does the baby eat? Can the baby hear me? How did the baby get in there? Wow, a pregnancy can sure generate a lot of questions. But what's important is that a baby is a baby inside and out of the womb. Not just after birth, but nine months before. 
at conception. That's right. Every baby is a miracle. Hello, my name is Marianne Kloharski. I'm the director of Pro-Life Across America. If you know someone who is pregnant or in need of alternatives or assistance or would like to support the work of Pro-Life Across America, please visit our website at prolifeacrossamerica.org or better yet, simply dial pound 250 on your cell phone and say the keyword pro-life. Pro-Life Across America is non-political and totally educational. A baby's heart is beating 18 days from conception. Pro-Life Across America, the Billboard People. All right. There's some stuff up with which I will not put. And one of them is a caller who says Sioux Falls is a big city. I'm so sorry. Get over yourself, South Dakota. The metro population of, uh, uh, the metro population of Sioux Falls is 265,000. The metro population of St. Cloud is 180. St. Cloud is not a big city. And the line between, between us and a big city is not set somewhere between 180 and 265. Too bad, so sad. You're not a big city, John. All right? You've got a G League team. Congratulations. I know. I'm being mean to South Dakota. I know. I'm not mean. I'm not mean to be South Dakota. South Dakota seems like a very lovely place to live. I would actually like it, and I actually would like it more for the fact that it doesn't have a big city. I don't particularly like big cities. I like visiting them. I like eating in them, but living in them, <clears throat> no, thank you. Six five one two eight nine four four seven seven. John, come on, come at me. Call us. I'm I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. Right, and then and then uh, Vincent wondering whether when Minnesota is supposed to be completely reopened. Boy, you and me, brother. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think the answer is it's going to be quite some time, um, because uh, at this particular moment, the governor has the ability to just call back the uh, call back the legislature for a day, have them vote whether or not to continue his, his executive orders. Basically, both houses have to both know. And since the houses, the two houses of the Minnesota legislature are, are split in terms of uh, majority party, that's just, it's not going to happen. So he, he probably can continue indefinitely unless it turned out that, that in the election in 2020, both houses were, became uh, under the control of Republicans. Then probably those powers would expire. I don't know. That's as close to politics as I'd like to go. But I think that, but in terms of thinking about how the economy of, of Minnesota is going to work, it doesn't appear to me that if I've understood the rules under which executive orders happen in Minnesota, I don't believe you can, I don't believe you should expect that the, uh, that the executive, that, that the emergency power that the governor has will expire until everyone's ready for it to expire until frankly, until the governor thinks it's time for it to expire. Or unless the uh, unless the uh, the the uh, his party in the house, uh, which has the majority there, either loses an election or decides to abandon the governor. 
Probably not going to happen. Anyway, let me get back to this. I got a bunch of clips here. So let me play Dudley first. I want to play I want to play a couple of these and I'm not going to get through all of them cuz we've gone too long with some other stuff here. But this is William Dudley. He was the head of the head of the New York Fed, which in terms of the various banks of the Fed, the 12 branches of the Fed, the New York Fed has the system of market desks. It's kind of the first among equals. And it has a real focus on Wall Street banking. And so when Dudley speaks, says what he says here, he's speaking from what I think is really deep experience working with banks on Wall Street. Let's play, let's play the first clip from Dudley, please. Well, what it means is we're going to have a lot of excess reserves in the banking system, a lot of deposits in the banking system, uh, and that, that's going to create some anxiety that that, uh, that that fuel is going to lead to inflation. Now, uh, what are the implications? The implications of, of when the Fed buys Treasury securities and mortgage-backed securities is they add to the amount of reserves and bank deposits in the system. So reserves have already doubled. Second implication is that that forces the private sector to hold more cash and deposits than before. And the third implication is that since the private sector may not want to hold all that cash and deposits, uh, that uh, encourages them to move into uh, higher, uh, riskier, higher-yielding assets, and that pushes up asset prices. It does not, however, lead, lead well, to inflation because the Fed can control credit demand by raising the interest rate it pays on reserves at, at the appropriate time. That last piece is the one I wanted to get to. What was not imagined in the time of it, it, at the time of functional finance in the 1940s, and what has not really come up in the material in what has been. What has been said by the Fed now, which and I got to get a couple of clips from Bullard in to get this get this point across. They have not looked at the interest on own reserves to control the money control the money supply. Now, M two money has increased. This did not happen in the Great Recession. The Fed actually didn't expand the money didn't expand the money supply even while it was expanding its balance sheet. This time around, it has increased. It has increased uh, the balance sheet dramatically and has increased the amount of money in the system at, the, at a rate of about 20 to 25% a year. Now, those of you who took your principles of economics who remember the quantity theory equation, okay, you might just remember the symbols, MV equals PY, okay, probably say, well, if there's 20% increase in the money supply, that should eventually lead to a 20% increase in nominal GDP. And if real GDP is really only moving at 1%, 2 to 3%, then we should get double-digit inflation for sure. But the point is, you can, if you're paying interest on, on excess reserves, and there are lots of excess reserves out there, you can, you can control the amount of lending in the system, you can control the amount of M2 in the system from, while expanding the money supply, just by agreeing to pay more in interest on those reserves to keep the banks from lending the money out. You're competing the money away from the private sector. And, by the way, at the same time, competing the money away from buying Treasury securities, which is one limit on what it is they would do. Let's continue. Let's play the second cut from Dudley, please. Well, I mean, I think there's a couple things. Number one, obviously, this has implications for financial asset prices, and so it's the Fed withdraws this liquidity, that that's going to have some consequences for financial asset valuations. The second uh, consequence is the Fed's actually taking some risk in its balance sheet. I mean, if you think of the Fed right now, it's a lot of long-term assets financed overnight. And that's fine when short-term interest rates are at zero. But if you 
run the clock ahead a few years and the Fed has to raise short-term interest rates, you have a situation where short-term, the cost of the, of the Fed of paying interest on reserves could actually exceed uh, the returns on its portfolio. So the Fed actually could lose money is what Dudley's saying. And I think that's really important because I'm going to play you a couple clips from Bullard and this this thought never comes up. I think this is this is the fundamental point. And one of the reasons why I think MMT is more complicated a story than you hear from its proponents. And I think it's something that's being missed by the people who are its detractors. I have not even heard Cochran really talk about this, but I think Dudley's onto a very, very, very important point here. That point is this. You cannot, you cannot expect the continual funding of the economy of, excuse me, of the budget deficit by the printing of money without exposing the Federal Reserve to the risk that it's going to end up holding assets. It's holding assets that it can't really, that, that don't pay enough to cover the interest it has to pay to control inflation. Now, the, the modern monetary theory answer to that is, well, okay then, then that means the government shouldn't be printing so many bonds. And that means it has to go the other way. It has to tax. Set aside the fact that we have a we have a we have a Congress that can't even agree on on the size of uh, unemployment insurance payments or or the terms of a PPP loan. Set that aside. Do we really think Congress will be able to act to stop an inflation through restrictive monetary? restrictive fiscal policy being used only for the purpose of paying off paying off bondholders to protect the feds the, the feds balance sheet from a loss no it's not at some point the federal reserve's independence is simply going to be pulled away and we will have congress running monetary policy just like they run fiscal policy I can tell you how that's going to end up. That ends up in tears. That ends up creating creating enormous issues where you either get a lot of inflation in place like take uh, Italy or Greece for example or a lot of deflation, hello Japan. You can't have it both ways. But that's, that's MMT in a nutshell. You can print money as long as you want, use it to buy the bonds, cover up the deficit, without thinking about the balance sheet constraint, without thinking about the fact that you're, you're, you're creating problems for, for private asset holdings, and so forth. And so the Fed wants to go down a different road. It doesn't want to do this. But what does it want to do? We'll, we'll play, we're going to play you about three to four minutes here of... of uh, of Jim Bullard talking also on Bloomberg uh, this week. Right after this, you're listening to The King Banyan Show on Business 1440. Business 1440 is KYCR Golden Valley. Relief factor. Effective pain relief that really really works. How do I know that? I don't have a script. I don't have talking points. I live it. I've been taking it for a year and a half. I had lower back pain issue that had been plaguing me for nine years, almost a decade. I took Relief Factor for two 
weeks. Yes, two weeks and my pain was gone and it's still gone. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking Relief Factor right now. Don't take my word for it. See their incredible video testimonials at relieffactor.com. And then find out for yourself if this incredible drug-free product could work for you as well as it does for me and tens of thousands of Americans. It's so very, very simple. Go to relieffactor.com, order the three-week quick starter pack. It'll be at your door in three days or less. And I guarantee it, Dr. G's guarantee, if you take it morning and evening, as do I, for three weeks, by the end of that time, you will know if it works for you like it works for me. Now streaming on SalemNow.com is the brand new film, Selfie Dad. Selfie Dad is a very funny yet powerful movie about a Christian dad in a midlife crisis who becomes an overnight social media phenomenon, only to turn away from God and his family. But when he's confronted with a newfound friendship and the life-changing truths of the Bible, he learns the only way to have true happiness. Some of these things I just can't fix without some sort of direction. And I'm finding it right here in the Bible. God can do incredible things. Selfie Dad stars Christian comedians Michael Jr. and Shonda Pierce, as well as Grammy singer, YouTube star Jamie Grace, and War Room's Karen Abercrombie. It will inspire you to find the life-changing value of the Bible. Watch Selfie Dad at SalemNow.com and use promo code Minneapolis to save 20%. That's SalemNow.com, promo code Minneapolis. Dad, guess what? What? You are going to be a grandfather. That's great. Not too long ago, moments like this with my daughter would have been a challenge. It was a long road for me to find myself again after Vietnam. It was my neighbor Jim, another Vietnam veteran, who finally convinced me that I could still connect with my family and find that fulfilling life I'd lost. And I went for help down at the VA. If I can take that first step after almost 50 years, I know other veterans can too. Visit maketheconnection.net to find out more. Get a $3,047 fully motorized retractable deck awning for just $1,523 now through this special offer from Minnesota Eco Builders and this station. There's just one half-price awning available. Go to this station's website, click on the half-off home makeover, or call the station now. Whoa, look at all these options. You could fill an entire warehouse with all the different ways you can stream Business 1440. Top shelf choices include TwinCitiesBusinessRadio.com, our free app, and Radio.com. Welcome back, King Banyan Show, Business 1440. All right. I said I told the person who uh, wanted to stand up for South Dakota that uh, he could call in. John from Bloomington is on the line. I'm going to get – John, I'm going to give you the floor for 30 seconds. What's so great about South Dakota? Well, first let me say I enjoy your program, and I missed your presentation at Normandale College. Um, I wanted to say that I believe if you check the history, the first Minnesota Vikings game ever played, a preseason game in 1961, was in Sioux Falls. Now the St. Paul Saints League, whatever league they're in, has canceled their series, except they're going to play it in Sioux Falls. Uh, When I was young, when I was only in about a second or third grade, President John F. Kennedy visited Sioux Falls. It had an airport that that could land Air Force One. They also used to have, and I think it's still there, one of the tallest television towers in the United States of America. It was about maybe 10 miles uh, south southeast of Sioux Falls. Um, 
and I think their population is approaching 200,000. It, okay, and I agree on the last point. John, I'm going to just leave it there. I'm sorry I missed you at Normandale. Uh, I'm, hoping, uh, I'm hoping the department there has me back again sometime soon. But uh, uh, thank you for the call. I wanted to make sure I got to, to, the, to this last point, so I'm going to let you go. Um, but uh, good points about, South, about uh, Sioux Falls and South Dakota. Thank you so much. Um, let, me, let me play. I need to play a little bit of, of, of Bullard, uh, who is who seems to be pretty happy with where the Fed is going right now. Let me play, uh, let's play the first bullet clip, please. Uh, I think there uh, are other things we can still do, um, but we have deployed uh, a lot of uh, good tools for this situation. I think the policy response has been quite good to the pandemic, uh, both on the monetary policy side, the liquidity programs, plus a good response from uh, the political side to get uh, fiscal uh, relief to those that are disrupted by the pandemic. So I think all of this has actually gone, given the nature of the shock and the depth of the shock, this has all gone pretty well so far. Stop. And I think July 1st is a good. Okay, just stop there. Um, and, and he's going to say that he thinks July 1st is when we go from, from negative to positive, which I think everybody sort of believes. Uh, let's, this is the second cut. This is Jim Bullard uh, Wednesday on um, – yeah, or excuse me, yesterday on, uh, on uh, uh, Bloomberg uh, Morning. Yeah, the U.S. Uh, had uh, yield curve control during World War II, uh, and then after the war, uh, it – it, uh, the exit from the yield curve control was very difficult, so it kind of ended in tears. Uh, so I think that's one of the main concerns about going in this direction. Japan, as we know, uh, has done yield curve control, but one of the things that they wanted to do was uh, uh, get out of the quantitative easing program. They've, they've scaled that back dramatically by just targeting yields uh, directly. So. I think there are a lot more questions and answers around yield curve control right now. So they're not going to do yield curve control, and I—I've—I mean, I under, he's against it. Apparently, uh, we've heard—we've uh, heard uh, Jay Powell say it's still being talked about, but it doesn't seem to be there. So if we're not going to do yield curve control, we're probably not going to see anything other than a lot more quantitative easing. Um, let's go ahead and play the third. This is Jim Bullard again on Bloomberg yesterday. Well, I think we're giving uh, great forward guidance right now, and I, I think there's really no problem uh, with where we are today. We're projecting low rates of you know, policy rate far out into the future. Longer-term yields are also quite low. Uh, global yields are quite low. So, And, and we have uh, the advantage in the current situation that we already built up credibility for low rates and commitments to low rates uh, through the last crisis. Uh, in the last crisis, there was, uh, as you might recall, coming out of that in 2010, 2011, 2012, the markets were always expecting that yields would leap back higher at any moment. And the committee tried to fight back against that and keep yields uh, low all up. Uh, by by promising low rates further into the future. But but in the end, we built up a lot of credibility that we really meant it, that we were going to keep rates low. And so this time, uh, we have a lot of credibility on this issue. And I, I think we're, I just think we're in great shape for right now because of the credibility we built up last time around. All right. I'm going to – I don't often agree, disagree with Jim, but I'm going to on this one. 
Your credibility last time was a function of the fact that actually you only spent, and this sounds so weird to say it this way, you only spent $850 billion. You only spent $850, $850 billion on the Obama stimulus in 2009. You did not have to you did not have to buy $3 trillion worth of bonds. You did not have to promise backstopping, not just, not just mortgage-backed securities, which you did then, but now backstopping bonds in, the, in both the primary, it seems like both in the primary and secondary market, trying to run a Main Street lending program that you still haven't figured out how to do. You have to, you, you, you don't, you have a plan to buy municipal bonds. You have, you can talk about your credibility all you like, but 2020 is not 2010. It is a different world. The amount of the amount of stimulus being reflected on is four to five times the so far. This is just on current pros, promises. If it should turn out when Congress comes back that, that you know that they and the president end up agreeing on another three trillion dollar stimulus bill, which I don't, which is like okay, oh that will never happen. My last words: Do you want to bet? There's a certain set of odds I on which I would take I would take the chance that they would pass a three trillion dollar number because they think it's okay. Again, the Federal Reserve can make its balance sheet pretty much any size it wants. It just needs to figure out which assets it's going to buy to make the balance sheet balance. Their life becomes a ton easier if there's a lot more treasuries out there to buy. That is a temptation that Congress is going to have a hard time saying no to. Okay? It is an MMT. But it has a lot of similarities to that. Because they think they have a lot of credibility now because they thought they had a lot of credibility 10 years ago. I don't know. I don't know. I wish I had time to play the others, but we don't. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you, John, for the call today uh, as well. And we'll be with you back. Uh, We'll give you a little clip next week. Happy Fourth of July weekend coming up. King Banyan Show. Business 1440. Why do you think some of the top investors in the world are buying gold? Recently, a handful of billionaires have been accumulating gold over other forms of investments. When the world's financial moguls like Sam Zell begin choosing metals, perhaps it's time you listen and follow suit with your own personal investments. Gold is formally recognized as a hedge against currency depreciation and inflation. Take David Einhorn as one example. Einhorn founded Greenlight Capital in 1996 and surged that fund from $900,000 to as high as $11 billion. Einhorn believes that the central bank's recent stimulus efforts will have an effect on pushing up the value of gold. He keeps 10% of his firm's value stored in gold bullion. If you're interested in knowing more about gold, platinum, and palladium, call Noble Gold for a no-pressure consultation. They have the most experienced representatives and an exclusive pipeline to metal sources. Visit them at noblegoldinvestments.com. That's noblegoldinvestments.com. High school sports are as American as apple pie. And going to a game or meet is a chance to see the stars of tomorrow shine today. But as anybody who's ever attended a high school sporting event in Minnesota knows, you can't have the stars without the stripes. High schools are currently looking for new officials in almost every sport. Who looks good in stripes? 
Anybody looking for a way to stay connected to a sport they love. If you like the idea of giving back to your community while earning a few extra bucks, chances are you'd look good in stripes too. We want to hear from you. We need to hear from you. No officials means no games. No stripes means no stars. And what kind of America would that be? Minnesota needs more high school officials. Go to highschoolofficials.com to sign up or learn more. That's highschoolofficials.com. Have you written a book? You can become a published author with Dorrance Publishing, the nation's oldest publishing services company. Countless authors have trusted Dorrance for nearly a hundred years to bring their book to the market. Our professional team will edit your text, design your book pages, and create an appealing, eye-catching custom cover. Plus, our authors benefit from a custom book promotion marketing campaign that makes your book available where people buy books, like Amazon and brick-and-mortar bookstores. So make this free call right now to claim your free author's guide to publishing. Don't wait another day. Take one step closer to realizing your dream of becoming a published author and seeing your name in print. You've already written a book, so the next thing to do is make this free call right now to Dorn's Publishing and get your free guide to publishing. Call right now. 800-482-8399. 800-482-8399. That's 800 800- 